Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today's top story, breaking down Biden's infrastructure proposal. Now, before I dive into the details, let me start by explaining how the White House is rolling this out. The bill announced the other day is a $2 trillion infrastructure package spread out over eight years, and it would be paid for over the course of about 16 years. Think of that as part one. And while it includes a lot of stuff, it has many of the items in it that you'd expect. Money for roads, bridges, mass transit, upgrading the power grid, what you typically think of when you hear infrastructure. Then there's going to be a part two. That package is going to focus on health and education with the White House's billing as a different type of infrastructure. And that will likely double the overall price tag, bringing the total to around $4 trillion. The plan to pay for part two is going to center around tax hikes on the wealthiest Americans. Politically, part one is the likeliest to potentially get bipartisan support, especially since approval numbers for that kind of infrastructure plan are consistently strong. Part two is going to be a much heavier lift. But I I expect the White House to use every ounce of their leverage to try to push a big, ambitious plan through Congress. This is the top priority now for President Biden, aside, of course, from dealing with the pandemic. So what's in part one of Biden's infrastructure plan? Let's run through it. About $620 billion goes towards surface transportation, improving and modernizing highways, rail, and roads. It would upgrade about 20,000 miles of road and fix several hundred bridges. 85 million of that would go towards mass transit. And 80 billion would go towards repairing issues with Amtrak. There's 25 billion for airports and 17 billion for ports, waterways, and ferries. 111 billion is for water infrastructure with an ultimate goal of replacing all the lead pipes across the country. And then there's $100 billion for expanding broadband internet access, especially in rural parts of the country. There's $100 billion in new investments for our electrical grid. And a lot of incentives are built into this part too, like expanding tax credits for producing clean energy, pushing for the construction of higher voltage capacity lines, things like that. There's $174 billion for electric vehicles, including tax incentives for consumers, along with grant programs focused on building 500,000 electrical vehicle charges by 2030. See, electric vehicles, they're only so good if you don't have the charging stations all across the country. So building up that infrastructure would be part of this. 
It would also attempt to move our federal fleet of vehicles to electric and mandate federal buildings only use clean energy sources. And now we get into some other proposals that are a bit more outside of what one might think of as traditional infrastructure. There's $400 billion for expanding access to care for the elderly and disabled. There's $100 billion for workforce development programs, which would aim to train workers in clean energy and manufacturing and caregiving. One caveat there that I would say, we have a lot of these kinds of workforce development programs across the country. And I think it's time that we start to consolidate them and organize them and not just continue to add to them. We've got to make our workforce development programs work right. Now, I'm not saying that some added funding wouldn't be helpful, but there's all kinds of these programs all over the place. And just adding to it, I'm not sure that's the best way to go about it. There's $100 billion for upgrading and building new public schools. I thought some of the money from the last major $1.9 trillion stimulus and relief package was partly for upgrading public schools. So I would want to see exactly what's different with this spending compared to that spending. There's $180 billion in new funding for research and development into certain technologies and green energy. And $300 billion for domestic manufacturing, which would include adding more production of semiconductors and, and products vital to national health and security. That goes into the whole issue with China and how reliant we are on them for so many different things. So th that's a broad overview of some of the key aspects of part one of Biden's overall infrastructure plan. Naturally, the next question is, how is it paid for? The main path would be through an increase in the corporate tax rate for 15 years. So back in 2017, then President Trump and congressional Republicans lowered the corporate tax rate from 35% to 21%. This plan would split the difference between the old rate and the new rate. So it would go from 21% to 28%. It would also make some changes to international tax rules by creating something called a global minimum tax, which is essentially intended to either encourage companies to bring jobs back home or make sure they're not using international loopholes to pay a lower rate. As is always the case with these kinds of proposals, the final product is going to look a lot different from this. There are, I think, some good, much-needed measures in the bill and some stuff that can be taken out or scaled back. But I do think from a public opinion standpoint, the president is in a pretty strong position on this specific part of the overall package. Infrastructure improvements have had widespread bipartisan support among voters for a while. And a corporate tax hike that still leaves the rate well below pre-2017 levels, it's not going to change that. And I also think Republicans have boxed themselves into a bit of a corner here. They don't have the high ground anymore on concerns over 
debt and deficits. That's gone. I don't think just saying no here is tenable either. And they can't take the position that both borrowing to pay for it would be a deal breaker, but also tax increases would be a deal breaker. That's heads I win, tails you lose. So I think they're going to have to have a different approach. And I think a better approach for Republicans would be to propose a smaller overall package, more targeted. Maybe one that includes a smaller tax increase on corporations and uses a bit of borrowing to offset that, like a, a combination of the two. Interest rates are super low. And look, I think the debt should be a concern, but upgrading our infrastructure to me is essential. And I worry it's just going to cost us more if we continue to let it slide. So what you'd like to see, ideally, is Republicans do that, and then the focus could shift to a compromise between the two proposals. Because I'll tell you this, Democrats trying to find a way to jam this through without Republican votes and Republicans just saying no without a serious alternative, that's not going to be good for anyone. Now, going back to the bill itself, a couple of different points here. In order to do this right, we have to ease up the red tape that makes getting these projects done in a cost-efficient, timely manner almost impossible. A woman in New Orleans recently made news because she threw a one-year birthday party for the road work being done in front of her house. Okay, we, we've all seen something similar to that. It's got to change. We need to take on these infrastructure projects like the state of Florida takes on building new developments and houses. That stuff goes up in the blink of an eye. Some of these infrastructure projects take forever. And time and time again, we see our projects cost so much more than similar projects in other countries. And it's not like we're getting more for it. I'll give you a few examples. A tunnel in Seattle cost around $1 billion per kilometer while a tunnel in Paris costs $300 million and one in Madrid costs $130 million per kilometer. That's ridiculous. We spend about $400 to $800 million per kilometer on our subways, while the global median is about $250 million. We've got to fix that. And it's not just one thing that contributes to that. It's multiple things. We've got to rethink how we do these projects. And a lot of that is going to mean pushing back on all the different special interests that get involved and muck this stuff up. And we have to make sure the projects we pay for make sense. So Amtrak unveiled a mock-up of what expanded rail might look like under Biden's infrastructure plan. It includes all kinds of new routes, some of which don't make a lot of sense to me. But it does include new routes that would connect Jacksonville to Orlando, Orlando to Tampa, and Orlando and Tampa to Miami. And that sounds great, but will it be high-speed rail that makes a real difference? What exactly are we talking about here? And this is Florida where once you get to a location, 
You still need other transportation to get around. Like, it's great that I got from Tampa to Miami in, let's say, two hours. Where do you go from there? What could that infrastructure look like? There was a different proposal from a transit researcher that I thought seemed a bit more reasonable and doable. It was more of a scaled back version. So some of the connections that Amtrak put out there, not so much in Florida, but across the country, just didn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. But this high-speed rail setup would have connections going through Florida, and it would take you from Jacksonville to Miami in two and a half hours. So based on that, you would figure Tampa to Orlando, maybe, say, 45 minutes, and then Orlando to Miami, probably an hour and a half or so, something like that. And that would be a huge deal. I mean, if you had some kind of way to get back and forth between Tampa and Orlando in, say, 45 minutes, not the disaster of a trip that you currently have to go on on I-4, that could be a game changer. You could live in Tampa, work in Orlando. You could live in Orlando, work in Tampa. It expands all the possibilities. And if you can get to Miami in, say, two hours or so, you could spend a day there if you wanted. Maybe people in Miami want to come up for a Bucks game, see Tom Brady. They could do that. You see all the different possibilities that could happen if we had the right setup. But getting the right setup, it's just not so simple. So again, this isn't a finished product. It's going to undergo a lot of changes. I think it's difficult to justify spending nearly 20% of the total cost, some $400 billion on in-home care for the elderly and those with disabilities, while only spending around $115 billion on roads and bridges. Not that the former isn't a worthy cause to take on, but that should be part of a separate standalone proposal. And are we funding this the right way? I mentioned maybe shifting some of the tax burden to borrowing. Or for the measures focused on clean energy, which is a huge part of this infrastructure proposal from President Biden, would a carbon tax make more sense? Business leaders are open to that. Some Republicans have warmed up to it. Maybe that's a better option, at least for part of it. One thing I'm hoping to see, I'm not holding my breath for this, but I'd like to see serious players on both sides take the lead in these negotiations. AOC going on MSNBC and saying the package should be $10 trillion over 10 years, that's ridiculous. It's absurd. It's also never going to happen. Again, it's not serious. And I don't think doing nothing should be an option. It's long past time to finally tackle this issue. We've spent billions on building the infrastructure of other countries, like Iraq and Afghanistan. We're watching China spending even more, building up their own infrastructure and then extending it beyond their borders to their neighbors, influencing them. We got to catch up. And we got to get ahead with some ambitious projects focused on what this country is going to need for the next 50 years. We have to fix what we've had for 100 years and then focus on what we need moving forward. It's going to be a real test for leadership in this country. I Hope they find a way to meet the moment. 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.